All right, welcome to the company of one. This is your host, Dale Callahan, and this is the podcast where we show you how to grow your income, how to operate like an entrepreneur, whether you work for a large organization or whether you work for yourself. It's all the same thinking because what you want to do is you want to maximize your income. Today, we'll be talking about the specific topic of the company of one, what we call the operations officer. So the company of one, as we covered back in episode number 174, delcallahan.com slash 174, is we talk about the company of one concept. And that is where you are working in exchange services. You're providing services in exchange for money. We all work for money, right? So you're exchanging services for money. And as that, you are a business. So it really doesn't matter. So if you look at the company of one concept, it doesn't matter if you work for yourself, if you work for a large organization, or if you kind of have a mixture of things where you have work for a day job and you have a side income, what we oftentimes call a side gig, or uh, you know we used to call it moonlighting. Whatever you want to call it, we have the side income. We maybe some have some side investments, or we have what is also called multiple streams of income. Because any good business has multiple streams of income. So just look at you, look at all the money coming into your pocket and then the various sources, and those are the different places, or your, those are your streams of income. Especially if they're steady, and hopefully you can make, make them steady, and especially if you can make them grow, which is part of what we're talking about tonight. So. In the issue of the company of one and helping it to grow, uh, we talk about there being four roles of business. One is operations, and that's what we're going to focus on tonight. Operations is you doing your job. Uh, I always look at it from a business perspective. Operations is what Walmart does on everything we see, right? Walmart's a business. Uh, the fact that they take our money at the cashiers, they have stuff that's in the stores, trucks roll, all the stuff that it takes to serve the customer is what we call operations. And so you showing up at work, you providing whatever service you are providing that gets you paid, that's operations. The other three roles, marketing, research, and finance. Those are the four roles, operations, research, marketing, and finance. Those are the four roles of any entrepreneurial or business enterprise, no matter what it is. So those are the four things that you've got to concentrate on to maximize your money that's coming into the door, which is what we all care about, right? We all want to maximize the money. So I've been doing a lot of coaching calls this week and uh, just finding some very interesting things as we struggle with this concept of company of one. And so we'll talk about some of those today because a lot of the conversations we've been talking about or I've been talking about to clients is strictly about operations and, and some of their struggles or, or maybe I shouldn't say struggles as much as blind spots. Because this is not usually an area of a struggle as much as this is an area of a blind spot. So let's, uh, let's think about some of the reasons, though, why you should. It's, so first of all, let me pull back. 
In operations, we oftentimes think of that as just doing our job. And I think that's fair. Doing your job is fair. So my proposition to you is that if you do your job better and you can learn to always improve on your job, you have, again, whether you work for a large organization or whether you mow lawns for a living or you provided some kind of entrepreneurial activity, the point is becoming better at what you do. And as if you can become better, you can get paid more. Right? The person who's the artist at uh, lawn care and does an awesome job and has a huge amount of, uh, of pride in their work is probably going to be paid more than the person that just shows up with a lawnmower and hacks the grass down. I mean, they, they serve different clientels, but the one is going to be in higher demand by higher paying clients. And that's the kind of mentality we're talking about here. So why do you think, because I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. You're probably thinking, I'm already really good at my job. I work hard. I'm good. Matter of fact, there's nobody better than me. You might be thinking that. Uh, you might be thinking that you're not very good, but you're, uh, you're struggling there. But there's some reasons probably for that. We'll talk about that in a minute. I do hope, though, that you do think you're good at your job, and, uh, but you can become better. There's always room for improvement, right? There's always ways to up your game because somebody else is coming after you. I had a conversation to, uh, this week with a client who has started a company. Their company is dominating a market. They kind of created a market, meaning they found a hole in the market, something that there was a demand for that nobody else was offering. Kind of an un unusual situation. And they were killing it. And you know, I was telling him, somebody's on your tail because you are making money you're being watched. Give it a few months, you're going to have a major competitor. And you've got to constantly be upping your game because that competitor is going to come in fast and swift. And that competitor is going to eat your lunch because they might even be more funded because they're a larger company. And we always have to think about that. So if you think you are great at your job and you're at the top of your game, watch out. That means who all is chasing you, right? So that's kind of that's the entrepreneurial's nightmare, if you will, or the or what keeps them innovating and growing. So we hope it's true. But I do want to think of, ask you some things to think about: is why would you care about becoming better at your job? And just a few things here to think about: the more the better you are, the more you're going to enjoy your job. You're going to have greater work satisfaction. You're going to improve your relationships with your coworkers especially your boss. We'll talk about that some. You're going to be more productive. Work at work satisfaction. I mean, you're just going to be satisfied because you feel like you're doing something. We all want to feel like we're moving the needle, as the term goes, right? You're going to impress your leaders, but most importantly, you're going to grow your income. I hope the growing in your income caught your eye, caught your ear, if nothing else. So, as we think about growing our income, which is why a lot of us are working, right? Let's be honest. We work for money, and if we can up the game, we want to be rewarded with up in the change. 
So there's only two ways to make more money. So I just stop for just a minute and just think about this. There's only two ways to make more money. One is to work more hours. If you're getting paid an hourly wage, and many of you are, whether you're paid by the hour or not, many white collar workers effectively are being paid by the hour. So you could work more hours. So think about delivering pizza. If I get paid so much an hour to deliver pizza, I could double that amount of driving around delivering pizzas and probably double my income. But that I can't go but so far, right? There's only so many sustainable hours that I can work. But that's the one way you can do it. Or number two, you can become more valuable. Let's face it, the brain surgeon's hour, hourly rate is more than the person who is who is picking up your trash. Both of them are essential services. Uh, is picking up the trash is more essential all the time. We hope we don't need brain surgeons very often. However, because of skill sets, because of demand, because of all the other things, the brain surgeon hourly is going to make more money. He or she has become more valuable. Now, you don't have to be a brain surgeon. You might actually be the person who's picking up the trash and you figure out how to become more valuable. And I think you can do that. So clearly, if you're paid by the hour, working more hours is not sustainable. Becoming more valuable is the right way to go for most of us, right? So let's think about what you can do to become better. What can you do to become more valuable at your job? And I'm going to kind of pull back, number one, the number one thing you can do to become better at your job is to tune in to what your customer needs from you. Now, in the last episode, episode number 170, where are we? 176, I can't keep up with all these numbers. Episode number 176, we talked about your boss and your customer, the relationship that you have. Your boss is your customer. If you work for an organization and you have a boss, your boss is probably your primary customer. There's more than that, but and we talk about that in the episode. But being in tune with a person who makes money flow into your pocket is critical because if you understand what they need, if you understand their pain points, if you understand how they flow and feel about things, then it helps you become more valuable. Now, if you've ever been in the situation where you're doing your job, you're sitting down and you have a great boss and you and your boss have a great relationship and then suddenly your boss moves to another organization or gets promoted or quits and you get a new boss and you're still doing your same job, you're still operating in the same way, but your new boss operates differently. And suddenly you're not communicating. Suddenly you're not as valuable. Suddenly things are wildly different. Is that your fault? No. Is it your boss's fault or your new boss's fault? No, probably not. But you have a new relationship. The old boss had things they cared about and were valuable to them. So I had a boss at one time that what he cared about was playing golf three times a week. Uh, probably about three times a week, we would go off for our meeting on the golf course, and I would say it was probably effective use of time. Uh, probably more effective than many meetings I've been to by far, 
But that was important to him is, is kind of, I don't know what it was, but it was important to him uh, to, to uh, how, he, how he ran the core of his team. The, the new boss, absolutely not. That's just not the way they operated. Uh, so they were much more, are you here at 8 o'clock? You know, and they, they were very much the old, the rigid, I call it old, but yeah, let's call it old, kind of the old rigid model. So you have to tune in to what your boss or your customer needs from you. Again, if you're cutting grass and you've got a whole bunch of customers you're cutting their grass, each customer, you have to tune into what they want and what they need from you and kind of will find a way to keep up with, with that. But if you want... Because if I'm serving your need and if I'm working hard to understand uh, what you need, you're going to appreciate me. So if you have 10 employees and one of them or two of them, and there's always going to be a minority, really try to understand what you need and read your mind and try to help you get what you need out of things, you're going to appreciate them and value them more. It doesn't mean one's smarter than the other. It just means one's paying attention to your needs more. So that's what I'm suggesting to you. Number one is tune into your customer's needs. Absolutely critical. You become more valuable just by tuning in. Number two, your job should do one or two things. And never forget this. Your job should either help increase the revenue coming into the company or it should decrease expenses. Now, accountants have a fun little term, is what they call overhead. Sometimes accountants call it top of, uh, top of the line expenses. And what I mean by that, if you're making 10 million widgets and you're selling the widgets for you know, some value, that's where the company makes money. If you are part of making that widget, if you're in line for making that widget, you're what they call the cost of service or cost of goods sold. And so accountant's view is that's part of the profit. So we call that top of the line expense. In other words, if we didn't spend money on you, we wouldn't make any money. So it's important to have you. Does that make sense? You are part of what's generating money. You may be the factory worker, you may be the salesperson, whatever it is, and it's how accountants count things, which is also tricky in itself. But you should re realize that your job should be tied to money. Now, I have an episode, and I don't have that on top of me. We'll put it in the show notes. The show notes today is delcallahan.com slash 177. We'll put in the show notes where you put a value on your job. But you need to understand you should have a monetary impact and a monetary value and you should be able to measure it. Always focus on how can you move yourself into a position of impacting the revenue and that's the most appreciated position in an organization or positions. Number three, and this one's a little different, so hold with me for a minute. Focus on your strengths and doing what you love and quit trying to fix your weaknesses. Now, I've done a whole talk on this uh, in multiple occasions. Usually they're public talks I'm doing. I think I may have done a webinar on it. But we have, a, we have this weird thing in our culture where we focus on our weaknesses. I'm not really good at this, so I'm going to go take some courses on it. 
and uh, I'm not really good at book work or software development or something, so I'm going to try to learn those skills more. But, but what I'm really good at doing is sales, right? Or we tend to discount what we're good at and we try to focus on what we're not good at. And sometimes in your annual review, you're told things like this if you work for an organization. You need to focus on your weaknesses, right? And you need to improve on your weaknesses. That's really, and I'll, I'm all for improving, but what you really need to do is improve on your strengths. So let me give you an analogy that if you're a sports fan, you probably appreciate. So you think about the baseball pitcher. So in a baseball, professional baseball, the pitcher is a very valued commodity. We can argue that they win or lose the game. And, a, and one of the big values of the pitcher is how fast they can pitch. So you also notice that almost no p pitchers, uh, or there's, I think it's pretty rare, I'm not a baseball fanatic, but baseball pitchers usually are terrible batters. As a matter of fact, if you doubled their batting ability, they're still terrible batters. They're still not in the league of the rest of their team. But what do the coaches focus on? They don't focus on the pitcher being a better batter. They focus on can the pitcher deliver that fastball tenths of a second or maybe even hundredths of a second faster. Because small improvements Tiny improvements sometimes in where they're skilled can win or lose a game and win or lose the season. The same is true for you. So you need to focus on your strengths and what you're good at. I had a conversation uh, just the other day with a, a leader of an organization, and he was talking to his team, and he was coming in. He was coming in as a new leader and talking to his team members, and he was asking them all, what do you love to do? Where are you passionate of? Where do you see yourself going? And he wasn't trying to run anybody off. It sounded a little suspicious to people, and he was asking me about it but uh, because it made some people nervous. But what he wanted to do is tune in to where people are the most valuable. And Because if you're doing something you love, you're naturally going to want to become better at it. and Or you're naturally even going to become better at it because you practice it more and you're going to excel. If you're doing something that's a struggle for you or you hate doing, that's just not the case. So always focus on your strengths. Where are you strong? And many of you, and I know this for a fact because I've coached hundreds, maybe thousands of people for the last 15 to 20 years, many of you don't know. Many of you have blinders. I mean, you do know, um, but it takes a while for you to get there. Uh, that, I mean, part of my coaching is helping people realize what they're good at. They do realize it deep down, but they tell themselves all these lies. We tell ourselves all of the lies because all the things we've heard before we need to focus on improving or what we think the boss needs to hear or what we think we need to do. And you have to peel back those layers and realize, no, this is what I'm good at. This is my sweet spot. This is where I need to be. So focus on those strengths and doing what you love doing. Number four, you've got to reduce the drama. Now, some of us are better than this at others, but one of the things that your leadership, your boss struggles with, because I, I, it's just human nature, is drama. 
And what I mean by drama is people whining and complaining, whether it looks like whining or complaining or not, about trivial matters. We bickering, not even bickering, disagreement. Hey, Sam has a bigger office than me. Hey, why does he get that and I don't get it? You know, and, and just bickering over details like children is what we call drama. Sometimes the drama is bigger than that, right? But that is negative. It drains on the boss. You got to reduce the drama. A friend of mine who is a corporate consultant, uh, as a leadership consultant, he calls it drama-free teams. And that's what he promises. He promises to help you bring drama out of your team. Uh, it's a big promise. Uh, but they eat that up. The, the lead, corporate leadership eats that up because, man, there's so much drama. Uh, and, you know, robots don't have drama. People have drama. And if you want to look at as a leadership issue, the, the leadership issues are never about technology. They're never about strategy. Oh, yeah, they're about those things. But the, those are the minor things, technology, strategy, money. The big problems in leadership are people and a lot of the drama that goes with it. So if you can reduce the drama and find ways to get out of the drama loop, it's kind of like watching Facebook comments all day long and all the drama, you know what I'm talking about. You think all your friends are better than you and you need to show a better face and create your own drama. You know, you know what I'm talking about, drama. It happens at work. Number five, stop stealing from your employers. This gets noticed. You probably don't think it gets noticed, but this gets noticed. And I have a, gee, I don't remember the episode of this one either. And I'm, I, I thought I wrote these down, but they're not here in front of me. But stop stealing from your employers. So what I mean is that is um, how much time are you wasting in dead-end meetings? Even if you didn't call the meeting and you're there, uh, you should take some responsibility for meetings. How much time are you killing? How much time just are you killing in lacking of clarity about what you're doing? You're showing up to work. You're kind of fumbling around what's important, what's not. How many of us are at work doing stuff and busy and maybe very busy, but we don't do the important things? Partly because we don't know what's important. Go back to number one, tune into what your boss needs from you. So stop stealing from your employers. That's how our employers look at it. If you're using your time ineffectively and I'm paying you for your time or I'm paying you for your expertise and you're not getting it done, you're stealing from me. If it takes you two weeks to do something that it would take somebody else a day or if you got focused would take a day, and that happens a lot. You know what I'm talking about. People go to meetings and they blabber around things for weeks at a time and they could just make decisions and take action. Stop stealing from your employers. That's what it is, is stealing. So number six is communicate. 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 I don't think it's cub, but anyway, communicate. Do not assume anybody knows what you're doing or why you're doing why you are doing it. Don't assume anything. This is communication. It's probably one of the biggest. If I if I just had to peel all the conversations in coaching I have over time, number one, even though I'm a technology leadership person, 
They're never about technology, as I said before. They're always about people. And almost every time, it's about communication. All the different ways of communicating. Learning how to communicate, and I don't mean get up here and give powerful speeches that are going to get everybody to give you money. I mean just simple communication. Some of the big communications I see is people have something going on in their life, like they have a sick family member and they're kind of struggling trying to get a, uh, around. Maybe maybe you're trying to get to work and your wife has been sick and so she's got the flu and you're having to run the kids around and, and, and all the drama that goes around in your life trying to do that and you're running like mad trying to show up for the boss and the boss thinks something's going on. If you just communicate and say, hey, here's where I am, you know, it, it is this is what's going on, it makes a world of difference. People, people are forgiving. They, as long as you don't do this all the time, right? That goes back to the get rid of drama. If you constantly have drama in your life, then that's a whole different story. But when things are going on, when life is happening, communicate that you may have struggles meeting deliverables. Because the other side, your boss probably wants to work with you. They probably want to help you out. Uh, but communicate when deliverables aren't going to be met for any reason. Communicate about good things. Communicate about bad things. Let your boss know what you did last week. I mean, let, trust me, your boss probably doesn't really have a clue what you do from day to day. That's just the truth. They probably don't know. They probably don't appreciate how much time things that you do take, you know, the, how much energy it takes to do things. So let them know. Sometimes a simple little email, hey, here's what went on last week, a little bullet point list is awesome. It helps people understand what's going on, just communication. So I'm going to just, there's so many ways to constantly be improving this, but let me just say, tune into what your customer needs. Your job should do one of two things. Never forget it. Tie yourself to the revenue stream any way you can, and if you're not there, try to get there. Focus on your strengths, doing what you love. Reduce the drama. Stop stealing from employers. And, but, which sounds funny, but you understand what I mean. And communication. Communication being huge. So this, all this stuff, all this stuff can help you raise your salary. I know it. I coach people through this stuff all the time and I know I have increased, I haven't, but I've showed people how to increase their salaries. I know they've increased their salaries and many times dramatically. And when I'm talking about increasing salaries, I'm not talking about the 1% raise that you're going to get at the end of the year. I'm talking about dramatic salary increases that you can get from doing these things. So your job as a company of one, your number one job operationally is to find out how to be better at your job. I hope this helps you, and I would love if, you, if this podcast is helping you. It's helping you see that you're a company of one. It's helping you take control. It's helping you 
feel empowered to move the needle and not waiting on somebody else to make the decisions, which are all true, you should feel that way, then I'd love if you would just go out and give us a review, a wonderful review on the podcast. Uh, and so there's a link in the show notes, uh, delcallahan.com slash 177 of how you give a podcast review. It's not that hard. It's something uh, fairly, it's actually easier to do on your iPhone or your Android phone than it is uh, from the website uh, these days. So I hope this helps and uh, we will be back and talk to you next week.